My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Nina Alagsuri, an entrepreneur and engineer who is the CEO and founder of Zoppa AI, an AI-powered software-as-a-service platform that helps enable smart hiring by using data to match candidates to job descriptions. Very interesting stuff indeed. Uh, Nina, thanks for joining us on the show, and it's a real pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much, Scott. It's my pleasure, and thanks for having me. It's uh, my pleasure welcoming you onto the show as well, Nina. And um, it's a very interesting time, isn't it, for, you know, software technology and certainly artificial intelligence and I'm sure we'll get onto that a little bit today uh, but first and foremost I guess I just wanted to uh, sort of get more of an idea as to sort of your journey in business just for those listeners that might not be familiar with you um, was it quite obvious from sort of early on in your career that sort of going into leadership within this industry was going to be sort of your pathway? Uh, yes and no um, <laughs> I actually wanted to be a doctor all my life um, till till I hit grade eleven, uh, and then I realized I had a uh, you know a, a, a significant passion for science and mathematics. So uh, engineering was 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 really the most obvious choice. But I think what I was very clear about was I wanted to be an entrepreneur always. I wanted to set my own rules. I wanted to make my own um, you know create my own game rather than follow a job description. So. I think that entrepreneurship journey was was always a passion from the beginning, um, but I did land up working for a couple of large companies before starting my own company. So that was interesting, yes. And did your experience sort of in the corporate world really help you when it came to starting out for yourself? Uh, definitely. I think it's, it's important to understand the ecosystem that you want to sell to. So just working for that, for those initial four or five years, um, getting to know the ecosystem, the buying cycle, the company psyche, and uh, you know just how enterprises think and work um, was very, very important uh, for me. That set a really good grounding uh, for my business. Yeah, fantastic. And um, obviously for those sort of younger viewers tuning into this that might be of the kind of entrepreneurial mindset and may be thinking about starting their own business, based on the experience that you had starting out yourself, what advice would you would you give them to really help them start on the road to success? What do you think they really need to be aware of very much from the outset that they might encounter? Sure. So so my first, this is my third venture. You know, my first company I started nearly 30 years back, Scott, um, mm. When I was really, really young, and uh, I think I think the big learning, at, you know, what businesses looked at that time was very different from what they look now. Um, my first company, I started with thousand dollars of investment, and I never borrowed from a VC or or external funding. Uh, there is, you know, it depends on what business you're trying to start today. Uh, you know, the whole playing field is so different. Uh, it's very tech heavy. It's very, very digitalized. So you've got to move with time. But my one big learning uh, to everyone would be, be very clear. If if entrepreneurship is what you want to do, then you've got to kind of jump in, uh, you know, with your full belief and your full full passion. Uh, you cannot do uh, entrepreneurship with half a heart or, uh, you know, with constantly looking behind your shoulders and looking for a plan B. So it's got to be your plan A, plan B, plan C. You know, you've got to believe in it. And you got to jump in it. 
Exactly right. And um, let's think now about sort of technology as well, because when it comes to sort of any business that's looking to really sort of start up well, hit the ground running and scale up, the correct sort of leveraging and application of technology is going to be incredibly important. And of course, artificial intelligence, AI, is playing a huge, huge part in that for, for so many businesses out there. But it seems to me as if there are a lot of common misconceptions about artificial intelligence, aren't there? It's um, it's perceived as this sort of big, scary or sort of futuristic technology that's going to come in, automate and take people's jobs and ultimately perhaps take over the world. But I suppose from your perspective, Nina, um, that's kind of a very skewed viewpoint, isn't it? So could you perhaps dispel some of the myths for us and just talk about sort of how AI is applied from sort of your business perspective? Sure, sure. So to start with, you know, like the word suggests, artificial, it's, it's fairly artificial. Um, AI has got zero intelligence of its own. So what, whatever intelligence we feed into AI really comes from the humans. Um, and it's a long, long time away from reaching that, you know, that doom scenario where they say that AI is going to take over the world. Um, so just to demystify AI, AI is nothing but a combination of pattern recognition. And um, where it's most effective is where you have repetitive manual work, um, which anyways, you know, should should ideally um, not be done by humans because humans are capable of much more and a much higher level of intelligence. So uh, what AI does is it looks at the data, it looks at pattern and look at very large volumes of data and creates a pattern and creates rules out of that. Um, so really, very simplistically speaking, AI is as good as the data that you have. It's as good as uh, as long as the work is very manual and repetitive, um, it can take away all of those works. But um, uh, what it does leave, and I think the good news there is that it leaves all the interesting work, all the real intelligence work to the humans. So the ideal combination is really that combination of machine and humans where you know you let machines do what machines do best and let the humans focus on what they do best. So it's about kind of removing those sort of dull manual processes, isn't it? And letting exactly. the humans sort of make the decision based on the data that's there. And uh, I think uh, that that's that's the key thing, isn't it? I mean, AI can fundamentally be used um, to sort of give us commercial value in business by improving our decision making. And an example of that is uh, how you use it uh, within within Zopper, isn't it? Because what you do is you you enable smart hiring by using the data that's there and you match job candidates to job descriptions, therefore filtering out so many of the applicants and sort of making life easier for the recruiter but also those people that are applying for jobs as well, because it's, it's sort of matching them to maybe their ideal roles. Absolutely. Spot on, Scott. So there were two, two, main, two main things that we wanted to achieve with Zopa. Uh, one was, of course, to make the entire hiring process extremely efficient. Um, you know, typically hiring can be very manual, uh, very subjective. And so the second part that we wanted to remove was to make it very scientific. So, so that, you know, there is a fair amount of bias, as you would imagine. Uh, the one problem when you bring in humans to make decisions is that we use our heuristics and our cognitive intelligence, right, to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, this can vary from one person to another person, um, which can actually really exponentially in- increase the bias in hiring. Um, and there are there are biases which we are not aware of. So just, just to give you an example, 
there are 12 cognitive biases which which come into play when you're doing hiring uh, just as a very simple example of that one of the biases is halo bias which means that i might glorify you i might kind of assume uh, a bit too much about the candidate and 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 hence when my mind starts to kind of uh, put a picture together to to justify uh, that bias you know what i mean so i over glorify mm. the candidate or or the opposite of that is the horn effect which is you you underestimate the candidate um based it could be based on where they come from or the way they speak or the way they look and so on so so um you know lots of these can be very implicit and uh, so that was the other big purpose behind zopa so just to kind of give you to rewind the clock a little bit my first mm-hmm. company was a traditional hr consulting and executive search company and uh, having run that for 20 years um it brought me up and close to all all of the issues and the pain points of hiring uh, when working with clients and um, in addition to the subjectivity and the manual side of it what really bothered me was the biases so um i felt ai data science could actually help remove the bias from hiring and that was the mission behind zopa Yeah, I can certainly see where you're coming from with that because it is something, isn't it, that's being talked about an awful lot of um, at the moment, whether there is sort of a requisite diversity within workplaces in terms of race, in terms of gender, um, and that goes for sort of executive positions as well. So that's um, certainly an incredibly important issue. And um, just sort of talking about kind of the uh, the application of AI um, a little bit more broadly um, as well. Um, I had an interview with somebody on this very show very recently and they kind of brought to the table this opinion that to best leverage um, artificial intelligence and technology the idea is that it has to improve both sort of the customer experience but also the experience of the employee as well essentially the people that are using the technology is that something that you would agree with and because fundamentally it seems to me that the technology that you use at Zoppa it's it's built towards improving as i've said already the life of the recruiters but also the life of the people who are applying for the job so for to, for me it certainly seems to work both ways with what you're doing Hundred percent, absolutely, and that was one of the big pain points, um, you know, uh, that we wanted to address. A lot of candidates will tell you that when they apply, it's like applying to a black hole. Um, they don't hear back. They don't know where they stand in the mm. process. Uh, suddenly, the company just ghosts them. <laughs> so there's so many of the other issues. Secondly, I'm sure I don't know if you've been through that, Scott, but I've seen my kids and. Uh, go through this after graduation applying to like hundreds and hundreds of jobs um just because of the hit ratio right like so uh 50% of them don't call um you know another 50% uh, just just send a very automated uh, response so um there was a real pain point out there so what what we do with ai is uh, not only do we show the uh, the you know the probability of making a good hire from the recruiter point of view but also from the candidate's perspective it shows you how well do you match a particular job and how what are your chances of getting that job you know again it's all based on data um this really reduces the pain point so so if i was a candidate it will tell me the top four or five jobs which i'm best suited for uh, where i i would have a very high chance of 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 getting a response so really kind of removing that clutter and that kind of nuisance around job job hunting which in itself is quite a painful process um 
not just that, there are other AI features such as, uh, you know, let's say that I'm applying for a, for a role, but there are certain skills that are missing from my profile. So the AI actually recommends what are those skills. Uh, and then if you were to fill in those skills, maybe maybe by doing a course or, you know, doing something about it, um, you could actually match up to your dream job. So things like that. So um, there is there are so many endless possibilities, both uh, from employer and the employee. But I'm 100% with you. Uh, if you don't get the employer branding right, and if you don't give the right experience to the, to the employees, um, you're not going to get the right folks through your door. Exactly right. It's really important to consider, isn't it? And just going back to what you mentioned about biases as well. I mentioned, of course, race and I mentioned, of course, uh, gender as two of those um, implicit biases that, that, that do tend to, uh, to, to happen. Uh, but as well as that, um, there's a lot, there's bias against those with uh, with neurodiversity as well, isn't there, and various uh, conditions. And that's something as well that you've been sort of working to try and eliminate in, in other projects. I mean, I understand that another one of your sort of AI platforms, it helps businesses engage and employ sort of people um, who do have sort of neurodiverse conditions. And then you're also working on kind of a well-being app for sort of people with sort of those conditions as well to try and obviously help them sort of settle into the workplace better. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, that's that's absolutely my dream project as well. Um, you know, uh, so empower as as it's, as it's branded, E M P A U W E R, mm-hmm. um, focuses on um, you know bring, removing biases uh, for people with uh, on the autism spectrum, right? Like so, um, we know that the spectrum, the autism spectrum, can 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 be very very large. Um, and, um, uh, you know, generally, if you look at the way companies are designed and the way they interview or the way they do these job selections um, is very uh, kind of uh, tuned to neurotypical, which is people who are not on the spectrum, right? Like, so, mm. um, and, and this leaves, this excludes this entire population from, from getting, uh, you know, gainful employment. Um, there's a shocking stat, uh, and I, 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 I don't remember the source, but I mean, there's a shocking stat that there's nearly 70 to 80 percent of people on the autism spectrum either don't have an employment or they're not able to retain employment. And I'm not surprised because the co- companies do not have accommodations um, to, to, to make sure that these, uh, these talents can thrive. And, you know, you, you might be losing the next Elon Musk or Einstein mm. um, uh, by, by excluding them. So, yes, 100%. So, biases against autism spectrum. We've extended that to beyond that to also people with mental, mental health, such as bipolar disorder or, you know, where, where, where you need to have special accommodations. But, uh, you know, you get to tap on these resources. So, think about the amount of talent that is excluded from workforce or from the opportunity to have um, you know, to contribute to the society uh, is, is huge. And that's, that's the impact we're trying to make with those ventures. Exactly right. And um, obviously with you sort of going beyond Empower and sort of making an app that's sort of targeted towards, you know, mental health and well-being for people with sort of certain mental health conditions, I think it's only right that we talk about sort of mental health um, a little bit more broadly. Um, just how important sure. is it uh, within leadership in your perspective, both in terms of sort of looking after that of your employees, but also safeguarding your own as a leader and, you know, taking that step back as and when you need to as well? I mean, I cannot, I, I cannot emphasize how important it is, especially we've, we've all seen 
that after the pandemic, um, you know, the mm. fear is that we are going to have a mental health pandemic, right? And um, the stats are, are pretty shocking to see the number of people who are who are uh, you know struggling with mental health, whether it is unipolar depression, anxiety, or or bipolar, and so on. Um, so, so COVID has really not helped in that, and if anything, exaggerated. Uh, the, the this, this pandemic. So it is just so important. And, you know, we always think of it, and you made a very good point. Um, one one aspect is to think about your workforce mental health, but also for the leaders to think of their own mental health, right? Um, you know, instead of saying, thinking that you are, um, so to say, immune uh, mm. to, and, and, you know, I think every one of us is vulnerable. Um, and, uh, we all have to have a, a, a significant focus in that area and not dismiss it or push it under the carpet that it's not something that can happen to me. Exactly right. And I think we've become a lot better at being aware of that, haven't we? Certainly since the uh, the pandemic, when we've kind of been reminded of our own mortality and um, of the importance of the, uh, the work-life balance. Is that something that you would agree with? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Um, uh, Two things, you know, I I do believe that meaningful work is what keeps a person really, really going. So it's it's about doing the right kind of work, which really inspires you, which really keeps you passionate, which gets you out of the bed in the morning. Um, So you need to be doing the things that you really, really enjoy and are passionate about. And second is you need to you need to know where to draw the line. Right. Like, so, um, you know, uh, so 100 percent. I mean, we in our company uh, do not mandate um, anything with regards to coming to work or not coming to work. It's very, very liberal. We we expect people to kind of uh, find their own balance. Um, And then we are very flexible on that front. So, um, you know, considering that that's the purpose of the company, uh, we are very, very sensitive to all of those aspects. And that's really, really positive because it's going to be hugely important um, in this sort of age we're currently in where, you know, the priorities of people are starting to change, both consumers and job applicants, that, you know, business leaders really do bear these things in mind, you know, well-being, purpose, those sorts of aspects. And thinking about sort of the future that we're venturing into, of course, it's a very interesting sort of economic climate globally at the moment. So just before we wrap things up, Nina, um, I guess I'd like a bit of an idea as to kind of what your sort of personal aims and ambitions are. Um, and really where you see yourself and your businesses by uh, by this time next year? Um, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> we're super ambitious. Um, more so about making the impact, um, you know. Um, what what really gets us out of the bed is, you know, when, when a client comes back and, and mm-hmm. says that, you know, you made this amazing impact, you helped us save 80, 80% in cost and time, you you made uh, you know you gave us uh, an option to hire absolutely the top-notch candidates for our company, which is not just good for the company, but it's also great for the job seeker. So I think the impact, honestly, Scott, is what gets us out of the bed and gets us so excited. And same with Empower, you know, when we see companies who are signing up and who are kind of committing to the to that purpose of expanding the talent pool to the excluded. And then finally, with my other company, which I'm on the board of, Bipolar Disorder, um, is creating more awareness around that and really kind of, uh, you know, helping companies understand that, you know, uh, we cannot be we cannot be excluding any section of society. 
Exactly right. It's incredibly important that inclusion certainly is the way moving forward. And uh, I have to say, Nina, given the uh, the scale of your ambitions moving forward, um, I'd certainly love the opportunity to catch up and welcome you back onto the show at some point in the uh, the coming months just to see how things are coming together for you. Uh, but for now, it's been amazing and really enlightening for me welcoming you onto the programme to talk all about your work and your take on these issues. And uh, yeah, like I say, uh, would certainly love to have you back. It's been my pleasure. It's been fun speaking to you, Scott, and I'm so... Uh, I'm, I'm delighted with that conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, myself as well. And uh, to all listeners tuning into uh, the programme today, I certainly do hope that you've enjoyed hearing from our guest today, entre- entrepreneur and engineer and CEO and co-founder of Zopper AI, Nina Alag-Suri. And um, if you are somebody who, uh, you know, particularly resonates with the issues that we have discussed today, then you can leave a comment with us via leaderscouncil.co.uk uh, forward slash contact hyphen us. Or if you have your own perspective to bring to the discussion table on this matter or any topical issue that may matter to you you too can apply to be on our show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and it could be you sat down on the program next to me and the very next time that we do this um nina thanks again for your time today and uh, do take care and sure we'll be uh, we'll be catching up again soon thank you scott take care and to all of our listeners as usual i have been your host scott challoner on today's episode of the leaders council podcast until next time take care all and goodbye